0: If you are visiting with us this morning, just to let you know that over the past year, we have been working our way through the gospel according to John. We've seen from the very outset how Jesus was the light of the world. We have journeyed with him as he traveled through villages and towns, healing and teaching and preaching. We have seen how he departed some of his closest knowledge to his disciples before he departed the earth in, ch- in chapters 12 to 18. And now we've seen last week how he was crucified and that light of the world seemed to have been distinguished forever. But this morning as we come to this chapter we see that there is indeed hope, that there is indeed a promise and there is indeed a future in the form of resurrection. But as we come to this chapter what we see also is that while the men had fled the woman still remained. And so this morning, just as we did last week as we tried to enter into the feelings and the emotion and the characters of one of those present at the scene, this morning we want to take a walk with, we want to journey along with Mary Magdalene a little and see a little of her experience of that Easter, the lead up to it, the crucifixion and then the moment when she finds her Lord risen in the garden. So if you will, suspend, your, um, suspend your, your pre-ideas. Come to this story afresh and let's use a little bit of our imagination as we journey through it. The events of the past week for Mary were a bit of a blur. Only a week ago, Only a week ago, she and the other disciples had celebrated Jesus' joyful entry into Jerusalem. Only a week ago, they were witnesses to that impromptu parade. Mary remembers. She remembers how shopkeepers and onlookers were stunned. How they marveled, how they set aside what they were doing, and how they joined The parade themselves. The days that followed that joyful parade, on the other hand, were puzzling. They were confusing and they were uncertain because Jesus was beginning to do things and say things in ways like he never had done before. She remembers how Jesus finds himself in the temple courts giving answers, strange answers to her mind to the religious leaders. She remembers how Jesus almost creates a small riot as he clears the tables of the temple for those who are selling things. And then, of course, there's that Thursday evening. And while she had not been there herself, she had heard the stories about it. She had heard how Jesus had shared a meal around a table with his closest, nearest, and dearest friends. And how he began to say at that table things that he had never really shared before. How he said to his disciples that this bread is my body broken for you. How he said that this cup of wine was actually my blood of the new covenant which will be shared for you. And it was only after these events, it is only after time passes that she begins to realize what he was saying and what he was meaning. She remembers how Jesus was arrested and how the word had come from breathless men, excited and shaking with fear. Men who had promised to fight the Roman legions on behalf of Jesus. Men who had promised to defend him no matter what, yet men who have now run away. Mary didn't know what was more pitiful Was it the man who had fled under the cover of darkness? Or was it Peter who still lingered on? Was it Peter who found himself in the midst of the high priest's residence, warming himself by a fire, yet denying that he had ever met Jesus? Not just denying him once, but twice, not twice, but three times. No, I never knew him. All were heartbroken. All were shaking, all were weeping and pounding, their chests and foreheads inconceivable conceivable, having left their friend Jesus in the custody of the chief priests, henchmen. But it gets worse because as day breaks over Jerusalem, word quickly spreads that Pilate is going to release Barabbas, Barabbas the insurrectionist. Barabbas the murderer. Barabbas the enemy of the state. And if Barabbas was going to be released then something bad was about to go down. As they waited in the streets of Jerusalem Mary and others mill around trying to catch a glimpse of Jesus or even just to hear about what has happened to him. Pilate will have him whipped, they say, to one another, and then he's bound to release him. That's what he usually does when he's trying to placate the Jewish leaders. A little dose of Jewish, of Roman justice, but not too much, just enough to keep the Jews happy. Then Mary. Mary heard the cry of a crowd. And Mary saw a procession that was more like a mob moving down the street. But they were jeering and yelling and striking at something in their midst. And Mary strains to catch a glimpse of what is going on. And she thinks to herself, that poor man. She sees a figure hunched under the weight of a Roman cross, blood streaming down the cuts on his back, blood dripping into his eyes from some sort of thorny crown that they have placed and pushed into his forehead. And the horror of that scene was enough. The horror of that scene was enough for Mary to divert her eyes. But as she did, She sees something familiar, a profile she had seen before, disfigured to be sure, but familiar. And then she realized, she realized that this poor man was actually Jesus. She watches him stumbling under the weight of the cross. Falling into the dirt, rising up again each time under the heavy weight of the beam, which is too heavy for him to bear. And all the while, the Roman centurions are getting anxious. This parade to death on a cross is taking far too long for their liking. So they grab a stranger out of the crowd and insist that he helps Jesus carry his cross. Let's just speed things up a little bit is what they're thinking. And the parade resumes. It's march towards Calvary and the disciples follow. The disciples follow all too aware of how this is going to end. Because once a verdict of death had been pronounced, there was no going back. There was no chance of an appeal or reprieve. All they could do now was follow the cross, weeping as they walked. And as if the scene wasn't bad enough there, by the time they reached the place of the skull, it was even worse. Two other men were being hoisted up, nailed onto their crosses, and their crimes stuck on placards above their heads. This was Roman justice at its worst. This was capital punishment at its cruelest and most heinous. And Mary couldn't watch. She couldn't watch as her Lord was thrown to the ground. And a soldier arrives and begins to hammer the nails into his hands and into his feet. And as Mary hears those nails being driven through his hands and his feet, she remembers. She remembers She remembers the hands that at once touched her to cast a demon out of her. She remembers the feet that she once washed out of devotion. And with a jarring thump, The cross is dropped into its resting place, and the agonizing cry of Jesus causes her to turn and face him. Huddled with the others who loved him, all they could do was weep. Weep for the gentleman who had been their friend. Weep for the ache in their hearts. Weep Because nothing else at this point could be done. And Jesus cried out. And time seemed to stand still. Mary felt she was living her worst nightmare. But this was no dream. Because this was real. Ours passed Until Jesus died, he cried out loudly as if that cry used his last breath, and his body slumped on the cross, lifeless. And suddenly the sky goes dark, and suddenly the earth shakes, and suddenly people are running, people are screaming, and a centurion falls to his knees and cries, Surely this was the Son of God. And someone else, cried out from the crowd. Jesus said that the stones of the earth would cry out. It was as if in that very moment that all creation was groaning, struggling with the death of its creator. Uncertain what to do. The sun stops shining. The ground quakes. The sky darkens As if the world itself knew something that others didn't. And slipping and sliding down the hillside, the disciples run for safety. And Mary looks back. And as she looks back, she catches a glance of the lifeless form of Jesus being ripped from the cross by the soldiers. But word comes. Word comes to the disciples that Joseph has done a deal with Pilate to allow Jesus to be buried in his tomb. So Mary and the others stumble back to a room that someone has found where they huddle together. And as they huddle together in that room, Passover is being celebrated All over the city. And in every house in the city, the youngest family member is asking those around the table, Why is this day so different to all the others? What is so special about this evening? And the reply from the older people in the family comes back This is the day that we remember how God brought us out of Egypt. But for the disciples, the Passover was meaningless the evening passed for them, not in celebration, but in remembering a friend. And as they sit in that room, it's too soon to tell stories about Jesus. It's too soon to laugh at the times that they had shared together. It's too soon to recall the amazing things that Jesus had done and taught them. So they wept. And when they had finished weeping, they sat, eyes burning with tears and exhausted. Silence fills the room. But the women, the women begin to talk about what must be done, because they're all too aware that Jesus' body had actually been given a hasty burial. There was not the proper ceremonial care taken. So the women decide that they would go. In the morning, several of them together, for strength as much as anything else, make their way through the darkness of night to the tomb. Because they are determined that as soon as the first beams of sunlight break the sky, that, that brings an end to the Sabbath, that Jesus would get that burial which he deserved. And arriving at the tomb, the scene is amazing, because they discover that the stone has been rolled away. The grave clothes were in place, but there was no body. So the women hurried back, running at times to the other disciples, finding the men still huddled, in the room. And in their excitement and broken sentences and gestures and tears, they tell the disciples that Jesus' body was gone. But Peter and John aren't just going to believe the word of these couple of women. They have to see it for themselves. So they run, and they run, and they run, and they run to the tomb, and they discover it is indeed, in fact, as they had said. The body was gone. The, w- the women were right. And so they run off back to tell the others that it is true. But Mary waits. And out of the corner of her eye, as she sits in that garden, she sees angels seated where the body had been. And they cried out to her, woman, Why? are you crying? And she blurted out, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have put him. Then she turned and saw another figure, not an angel this time, but a man. Maybe he's the gardener, she thinks to to herself. Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. And then something happened. Because as he opens his mouth, he responds to her question with a simple, Mary. And in that moment, Mary knew that voice. She recognized it as clear as day. The voice that had broken bread in their homes. The voice that she had heard calm, swirling seas. She knew in that instance that that voice belonged to Jesus. And her response, she's overwhelmed, yet cries out, Rabba I, grabbing him, holding him, weeping for joy this time because he is alive. He is here. But Jesus continues to talk to Mary in the garden. He tells her not to hold on to him because he is going to go back to his father and her father, to his God and her God. And glancing back over her shoulder, Mary runs towards the city with the news that I have seen the Lord. She was the one in that garden that moment that saw him all too clearly once again for the first time. And as we come to this story this morning, as we reflect and we think a little bit about what it could be saying to us, it is important for us to note that the real shock in this story is not Mary's character, but it's her gender. That she, a woman, a woman is the first to meet with the risen Lord. Mary meets him Once he has risen, it is to her that he gives the command to go and tell my brothers that I am to return to heaven. Because as we come to this story this morning and we read it in it's all familiar sense to us, we discover once again, just as we do time and time again as we come to scripture, that God uses people that no one expects that God uses people that society might shun. that God is able to use those who no one else thinks is of any worth, that God is able to use those who have a heart willing to serve him, because Mary finds herself at the tomb on that first Easter morning because of an act of love. She finds herself there because of an act of service. She finds herself there because she wants to ensure that her Lord gets a decent burial. But in trying to give him a decent burial, she is the first to discover that he is no longer dead, that he is back among the living, that all that he has said would come true has done, has indeed come true. And through Mary's obedience and command. Jesus launched the message of Easter. And today, as we prepare to leave here, why don't we ask ourselves the question, what story is God going to tell through our lives? Are we going to find ourselves tenderly waiting on him, weeping for him when he was no longer there, yet finding him in our very presence and midst this morning. As we go back out into the streets of this city, may we be Mary's. May we be waiting for Jesus. May we listen to his voice. May we follow his command. And may we play our part in his unfolding story in this city. Amen. Let us pray. Father, once again, as we come to Scripture, we are reminded of stories that at times seem so familiar. We've heard them maybe from childhood, yet we can find that they continually speak to us in new and fresh ways. So this morning, as we have thought about that first Easter morning, may we today encounter you afresh, the risen Lord. The one who is not dead, but lives and gives us life. The one who the world had assumed stopped breathing, yet was found walking the earth after its death. So we pray. Lead us on with you. Stir us into action. May we be found serving you in lives of love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.